I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true. And it is everything that I need. And that's why it's worth studying. All right, Matthew 14. 13. <laughs> Matthew 13. That same day. I mean, look at all what the lesson was last week. And you think you have a busy day. Because look, it just continues on. It says that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. And such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. This is kind of off the path a little bit, but I just wanted you to think from that first question, I wanted you to think, what, what do you think people seem to be attracted to? to Jesus about why why are there large crowds coming why why does he have to get in a boat because they're just pressing closer and closer to him what is it about him that they just can't get enough of any ideas what did you write down why is he attracted his miracles his miracles of course but his stories how did he speak when he spoke? Remember, he spoke with authority. He talked with authority. Don't you appreciate when somebody talks and they're sure about what they're talking about? There's something solid about that. No wishy-washy, no nonsense, no questioning. It's the, it is the truth. And I think that that, we saw last week Jesus didn't scream or yell or, you know, how, how that was quoted. He, he didn't have to fight or debate. And I think that's the, that's the power of his word, the gospel story. And I think it was so full of what? The gospel story is so full of what? That you are so attracted to it. You cannot. It's the Matthew that stood up from his tax collecting booth because there was something about when Jesus looked at him. What did it say? This is truth and I, you. What? I love you. That's right. I think that another reason why people are attracted to Jesus, I think that's why I hope what attracts you to him is because you know, you also know you're attracted to him because you know that he is your what? Savior. And without him, you are lost. That's right. I think that is your prime reason why we are. We should be so attracted to him that we should want to know more. That, that we believe that his example, the way he lived his life, is the way he wants me to live mine. And so when you have a desire for that, then I think that's, that's attractive. Yeah. So... Then he told them many things in parables. Now, when you were a young kid, didn't you learn that? A parable is what? Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's right. And so then he told this story, very familiar to us. We know the parable of the sower. Now, when I read it the first time, that is the earthly story. 
and, and some people are just very content and satisfied with just an earthly story. Like, oh, I get that. You know, a lot of these people, you know, worked with their hands in the dirt and gardens and vineyards and, and that. So they understood this when he talked about soil. He said a farmer went out to sow his seed. He scatters the seed. Some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And then he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, do you think Jesus said that because he thought there might be some deaf people out there? No. No, whenever you see Jesus or hear Jesus say, I tell you the truth, or if you have ears to hear, you better hear this. You better hear this. And he's talking about the ears of your heart, the the eyes of your heart, where the Holy Spirit dwells that can take this story because, like I said, there's a lot of people probably sitting there and say, yep, boy, he sure does know about how seeds work. So among, among shallow dirt, yep, they're not, they're, it's too, the, dirt, the dirt's too hard, seeds stay on the, on the top, well, yeah, the birds are going to come, those seeds are worthless. He goes on and says, yeah, you know, when the seed falls on rocky soil, yeah, it shoots up real quick because there's that thin little layer, but no roots. Oh, man, this guy really knows. Same thing with the thorns. Seed falls among thorns. And then, boy, you're right. When, when seed falls on good, solid soil, soil that has been worked Soil that has a lot of nutrients because there's there's a, a lot of fertilizer in there. You know, and a lot of people say, oh, wow, that, that was a good story. Now, look at how he leaves it there. He leaves it there. He doesn't say, he doesn't say the heavenly meaning. He just told the story. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? And this was his answer. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Now, unless you know Jesus' character, unless you really know him, wouldn't you take a look at that and say, wow, that's not very fair that he picks favorites, that he decides to give his secrets to some and not to others. But if you do know Jesus' character and you do know the reason he came and you do know that it is his will not not any parish, then you also know that when he says the knowledge of the secrets is given to you, but not to them. He's saying, you want to hear. They don't. They don't want to hear. 
They don't really want to hear the heavenly meaning. They do not want to hear how this has got to affect them, that it's got to maybe change them, maybe even convict them and challenge them and see that they're not on the right path, that they don't have soil. Their heart soil is not fertile. They don't want to know that. They don't, they, they don't want to hear, what? I've got to confess and repent? You mean I have to look in the mirror and see myself as a sinner and that I am lost without a Savior? Some people think, no, I'm very, I'm very adequate. I mean, look what all I've achieved. So he says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom you want here and what do we know about if you want if you ask if you seek if you knock what do you know about Jesus he can't wait to give it to you you want to know it deeper you he sees the effort you're putting in every week he sees that you're keeping your appointment with him every day that that he's a priority in your life a top priority when he sees that in us, he can't wait to show us the secrets of the kingdom. And what are the secrets of the kingdom? This book is loaded with them. It's all more information about who he is, what he's promised, what, what our hope is, what our future is, what abundant life is and how to live it. Oh, it's loaded. Remember that old, that old song that said, it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. It's not that he's deliberately keeping secrets, but you have to want to hear it. And if you don't, that's why he doesn't, he doesn't force this on anybody. He doesn't push this on anybody. He makes it available. He's done everything that we need to be saved, to be, um, to be sinners saved by grace instead of just sinners, to be found instead of lost, to know that we have a future in heaven instead of hell. Yeah. Look what he says. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. What do you think that means with us sitting here every Monday night and with you, you know, reading the chapter every day or doing your your Bible is open every day and you're finding that this is the most exciting book you've ever studied because now you're learning how to study instead of just read it. And then when you take it line by line, word for word, and you read it as Luke, or as Luke wrote, Luke and, and, and Acts, as Matthew wrote Matthew, as Mark wrote, wrote Mark, as John wrote John, they're, 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 they've got a, a real pattern. They've got an order. They've got a formula. It all builds on each other. I mean, I cannot 
so understand that these chapters are in order and that we couldn't possibly do 10, 11, 12, 13 without making sure we've done Matthew 1, 2, and 3. They just have a flow and they take us on a learning ability and it just keeps building on, on each other. That's why I said whoever has will be given more. If you keep going with this, and I go back to Matthew 5 when he says, blessed are those who just keep hungering and thirsting. They want more because they know that this has changed them and they're, they're, they're living right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You hunger for, you want to live right. You want to be Holy Spirit-led instead of self-led. I want to live right, and I hunger for that. And you're learning that the only way that you can really learn how to live right is by knowing how he taught us how to live. So he says, if you have that hunger and thirst, whoever does, whoever has will be given more, and you'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have even even what he has will be taken. That's why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Boy, if you ever need a verse to prove that is as wonderful as our physical eyes and ears are, I mean, they are miraculous. They are. I'm not trying to minimize that, but when it comes to understanding Scripture and understanding Jesus and learning how he wants us to live, we have got to go to the cross. We've got to see ourselves for the way we are. We have to then receive his Spirit, who then gives us another set of ears and eyes because he says, they're seeing. Look look who he's talking to. He's talking to those religious leaders who, well, what did we see last week? I mean, they're plotting to kill. These religious people, these religious leaders who think they're so smart are trying to trap Jesus. They first tried with the Sabbath, remember? And then they tried with a withered hand on the Sabbath, the grain eating on the Sabbath. And then Jesus Jesus was not a bit afraid to come right out and even say, come on, you know the prophet Isaiah so well. But look, he was talking about me. Here's my servant who I've chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight, and I will put my spirit on him. Of all people, you should be knowing this, and you should be accepting it hook, line, and sinker before anybody else. But guess what? You're not real. Your religion is just on the exterior. And all you've got is physical eyes and ears, and so you're not getting it. So you don't understand. But whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? theirs if we don't if we get stuck in our funk and if we get off on the wrong track because remember there's only two his track and our track and when we get off on ours we have no one to blame but ourselves, because we have blocked the holy spirit's eyes and ears so that we don't understand what he said 
and what he promised. We forget all about that. We've let our emotions get bigger than our faith. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. He goes back to Isaiah, and he's so wanting these religious leaders. He's so wanting these people who are who are crowding around him. He wants them to see because this is such a, a brand new revelation that he's bringing. And do you notice who he's bringing it to first? His own people. And he's saying, the prophet Isaiah, who you have studied so much, he said, you will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. See, there's your proof that it is their fault. Because look at in the next in the next couple of lines. Look what Isaiah said, what Jesus is quoting, saying otherwise if they would really see, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts. If they want it, they'll turn. And again, there you've got to see. You've got to make a turn because where are you and I looking without turning? You and I are looking where? Who 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 are we caring about? Who who is the thrust of our life? Who are we living for? Our own self. Unless you you have to see that you've got to make a turn, and if you want to make a turn, because you you realize that he's got a better life for you than you have for your own self. He said, Look, if you would see with your eyes, if you wanted this. If you would just open up your eyes and admit that, yes, I am the one. Look how, look how long we have been on this message. After the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus got done with Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's, and then we started seeing how the, the religious leaders started just a thumping away at him. And it was their purposeful choice to say, I don't, because he's not the Messiah I wanted him to be. He doesn't look like the Messiah. He doesn't, he doesn't, um, he's not working toward getting rid of Rome so we can be set free of all the Roman rule. He's not doing that. He's not kingly enough. What Jesus is saying, you know what, they're, they don't want to see, they don't want to hear, and so they're missing it. Because if they really wanted it. And you know, the testimony that I heard last week, when, when I, and the smiles, you know, you know what this passage mean, means now because you've been there. You might have been growing up in the church. You might have been a very religious person. You might have, you know, you went to catechism and you might have been to church every Sunday and, and all this kind of thing. Oh, you were seeing and you were hearing. But what a difference it makes when the Lord starts, when it's, it's like what he said to his disciples. I know you know this, and we know it because most of us have grown up with it. But 
Jesus said, but now I'm going to tell you. And when we allow him to teach us, when we really want to study, when he can see in our heart that we really want to know, we really want to see, we watch the change. In the testimony we heard, when, when your husband had his first stroke, you were a little more nervous and panicked and, and all that. In the course from his first stroke to his second stroke, there has been much spiritual growth. There's been a lot of surrender. And now the eyes of your heart and the ears of your heart have been opened to his word. And the Holy Spirit's working. And you are remembering what he promised you and what he said. What a difference. And you saw. That's what he's talking about. And it's, it's your call. Because he said, boy, if they would turn, if you would turn, I can't wait to heal you. I can't wait. And that's what healing is. His healing, the best healing that he gives us, believe it or not, is not physical. His best healing is when he heals our heart. And he opens up our ears and he opens up our eyes. And he we see and hear him. Blessed, that's why he says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they do hear. For I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. He's going back to the Old Testament and he's saying, those prophets, you think about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Hagar, Zechariah, Malachi. Those prophets, even Abraham, the patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Samuel, you think about how they believed and what did they have? They just had a promise. I hear many times, oh, I would love to have walked. I would certainly believe a whole lot more if I walked with Jesus, if I was able to be one of those 12 or if I lived at that time and I heard him speak and I saw his miracles. There he was right in front of my eyes. I certainly would believe more. Do you know that we even live in a greater day? Because we live on this side of Pentecost. We live on this side of the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. We live on this side of, of the Holy Spirit's coming to be able to indwell in us, to be able to shine and open up our eyes and ears to show us that we can understand this and that it can change our life. We are living in a day of no excuse. And that's why he said, those prophets back then, if they could hear what you're hearing, if they could see what you're seeing, I think that's why Jesus said so many times, the Queen of Sheba is going to stand up on that day. Or Sodom and Gomorrah. 
they, if they had what you had, remember how Jesus just poured his heart out to Capernaum and Chorazan, many of the cities that he was in. He said, you have no excuse and we have it even greater. We've got his word. We've got his spirit of understanding. If we want it, all doors will be open to us. Because he said, if we knock, all doors will be open. Every secret will be told to us. Okay, then he says, all right, now, now I'll tell you the meaning. Because now I want to see if you really do want to hear the meaning from your heart. If you want to hear the deeper meaning that affects your life, that might even cause some changes, that might even cause you to be challenged to take a look at yourself and see, maybe, maybe here, I've got some, maybe my seed, maybe the soil in my heart isn't what it should be. So he says, okay, if you got ears to hear, if you really want to know, if you want to know why, I, why I'm talking in parables, and I can see the real you. So he said, okay, this is the meaning. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand, that's the seed when it's poured out on, on a hard ground. And I don't think it's just the message of salvation. I think it's any time that you and I open up God's word to study it. I think, I'm going to use this as an example. It's not that I do, you know, how I kind of feel about, you know, rushing through, reading through the Bible in three months. So that you can say at the end of three months, oh, I read it. But there are times, and if you've ever committed to reading the Bible clear through, sometimes there are days when you think, you know what? I didn't read, and if I don't do it, then I've got double tomorrow, and then it's just building up, so i got to do it. I remember one time I was doing that, and I was so tired that I read when I was getting ready for bed in the bathroom. But at least I could say that I read it. Now, I'm telling you, what I read that particular night, guess what? It was the words that went right on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. That, that piece of scripture did nothing to me because I read it out of sheer obligation because if I don't do it, tomorrow I got double duty, and I know my day tomorrow is busier than today. He said, this parable of the sower, how important is God's word to you? How much time? See, already he's been talking about how much time, how much priority. He's already been through that with these chapters. Now he's getting, let's see if what you studied in 11, 12, let's see if you are starting to see my point. How committed are you to me? How important is this book? Are you really, are you listening with your spiritual ears or are you just reading it, words on a page? Because that's what Christians do. That's my obligation. Or is this my Bible because it is God speaking to me because every word is true and everything that I need is here. 
He says, or, or it's like when you pick up scripture, whether it be for, for salvation message or whether anytime you study, you open it up and, and you get all fired up. Oh, man, boy, was Bible study good tonight. Woohoo! And you walk out of here, and you don't ponder it, and you don't give it the time so that it gets into your heart, and you don't hear the Lord say, yeah, and I happen to be talking to you on a, on a particular issue that you need to be talked to about. He said, yeah, you can get all excited here and it flares up. Oh, it's a great lesson. But he said, if it doesn't go down to the heart, then, and this is how I keep it straight, rocky road, rocky times. When the rocky times come, and they will, when the rocky times come, unless it has gone to the depths of your heart, you're going to forget all about what you, what you heard in here, even though you were all excited about it. But you didn't make it yours, and, and the, the heart soil wasn't fertile enough for it to take root because you hadn't nurtured it enough, fertilized it enough. Same thing with thorns. It's just that shallow surface, yep, get all worked up, oh, got all emotional, oh, yeah. But then, what is the thorns that he's talking about? I believe that's the things of this world. That, that's when you watch the news. That's when you're watching the news and you start getting all shook up and you start getting panicked because you think that there is no hope. And, oh, dear, the election didn't go the way it should. Oh dear, marijuana's legalized. You start looking at all the things in this world and you think, oh man, I'm fearful, I'm I'm nervous, I'm panicked. Or the things of the world, it's you get caught up in materialism. And that has cut your trust because you, you, you trust in more of your material possessions. And so when those are challenged, and I think we've all been through enough, whether it was the depression or whether it was the recession or whether it was just a loss of a job or I think, we, I think we're getting that the, that the things of this world are here today, gone tomorrow. And if you put your trust and your security in the things of this world, that's what these did. You, you listen all the time. Oh, yeah, that's good teaching. Oh, yeah. But you just left it at that. And you didn't make it yours. We get so pulled. This world's got a pull. It's got a sucking motion a vacuum kind of pull. And then, he, and then he talks about that good soil, but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who does hear the word. You hear it and you, 
you understand it, you take the time to let the Spirit show you what it means, how it relates to you. It goes down into soil that you have nurtured. And then watch it yield fruit that when the things of this world or when rocky times hit, you are just going to love what you see. You're going to see that you stay on your two feet. You find that it doesn't push you over. You find you've got the strength and the courage to believe that his timing and his will and his plan is perfect and that he's always up to something for our good. Because you let the Holy Spirit remind you that you learned last year in Romans 8, 28, that you can count on all things turning out for good to those who love him. You start, you start resting in the fact that that's right, he promised me that I can go through this. I, I can do this through Christ who will give me the strength. Oh, that's right. That's what good soil is. You are ready and willing to let the Holy Spirit remind you you've taken the time to learn it, so just when you need it, there it comes. And you know what? You and I stand amazed and astonished, just like these people. Because we know the way we used to be, and we watch what he's doing to us now. That's why it's worth the time, it's worth the effort, it's worth the commitment it's worth making him and the family of God your prime family. That doesn't mean you don't love and take care of your family. But like I prayed, I do believe that when our family is him, when he's our father, I find that I'm in a right place to be able to handle my earthly family in a much better way. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did those weeds come from? <laughs> this is so good, isn't it? Jesus came right out and said, the enemy did it. The servants asked, well, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together while the harvest or until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn. That is quite a parable. But do you notice he doesn't, he doesn't explain that one right away either. So we're going to move on. 
there's the earthly story. And he says, now, let's see how many are willing to think about that earthly story and say, I know there's got to be a, a meaning here for me. But now in this course of time, Jesus is saying, let's see who really wants to know. So then he talks about this mustard seed. He said, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Now remember, what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of heaven? Who is the kingdom of heaven? That's right. So he's basically saying, how big is your relationship to me? And you know what's so beautiful? He's saying here, he says, if you, if you want it, I don't care if you come to Bible study, and maybe you, you don't even have a Bible. But you've heard that, that there's a lot of good things happening there. And maybe your life is in such shambles. You're just at your wit's end, and you're willing to try anything. You don't know really where your belief system is. You might say, well, I know there's a God, or I've been questioning him. You know what Jesus is saying? I don't care where you are. If you just have a little mustard seed of faith, it's like Rahab. It's like the adulterous woman. It's like, it's like Matthew. It's like you and me. He said, you just come to me, and I don't care how much you really believe. If you, if you come to me, to me, that is enough. It might be just a mustard seed. And I looked it up. A mustard seed is only one to two millimeters. It is so teeny. But a mustard seed, if you are willing to put a mustard seed in good soil, that means if your heart wants to know, he said a mustard seed can grow 6 to 23 feet high and it can extend out 20 feet wide. It will always be a plant, but it will look like a tree that even birds come because it grew that much. You take a little bit What a beautiful analogy. And these people, they, they understand nature. So that made sense to them. But Jesus is saying to you and me, I don't expect you to know everything, but if you come with a little mustard seed of faith because you want to you wanna know, because maybe you've just thrown up your hands and you're just desperate. He's a great I'll take that little mustard seed and I'll grow it and you will never be the same. You told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like, a, is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Same kind of principle. You know, I kind of think he told about the mustard seed to men and the dough thing for women. Because back in those days, you know, the men were outside and, and the women were inside mostly. And he wanted to make sure 
This has nothing to do with gender. If you want to know, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. Isn't that something? This was in Psalm Psalm 78. I looked it up. And sure enough, right in the Old Testament, it said, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Okay, now Jesus is going to explain. Because maybe now he's got an audience that wants to hear the truth, the personal meaning, even if it convicts me, if it challenges me, exposes me. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the believers. They take this good seed that Jesus offers, the gospel message, salvation message, and the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who stows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. Jesus is really, now you're going to see he's really serious on this one particular subject is that your choice, but you're either going to experience the promise of heaven and all what I have for you, or your choice as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire and you know what the weeds are people the unbeliever and do you know it all looks the same from the outside sometimes you can't see the difference between I don't know about you but I'm not much of a gardener so I always needed help because I would be easily pulling out good stuff instead of the weeds and some of those weeds look kind of pretty so I left them So I think some of us get the understanding enough that you can, they can kind of look the same. Because sometimes weeds can look so pretty on the outside. But he says um, that at the end of the age, which is what? What's the end of the age? Judgment, that's right. Call it whatever you want. The day of the Lord, judgment, the end of the age. I don't think he much cares what you call it, just so that you believe it's going to happen. Because that's a subject that a lot of people don't want to go there. But it is going to happen. And he made it so clear here. There's going to be believers who, who... 
the good seed was sown and they loved it. And they listened, they learned, and they obeyed. And the Holy Spirit changed their life. Or those, the seed is sown, but they didn't want it. They decided to believe the enemy in their ear saying, you're sufficient. You don't need that. Remember what the, the only the only sin that is unforgivable, remember we, that we've already covered that? It all pertains to this. The unpardonable sin is when the Holy Spirit whispers truth in your ear, your need for a Savior, and you say a big fat no. He's okay. You know what? I'm going to let them grow together for a while. But at the end of the age, the angels are going to, to me, this is such a comfort because it doesn't it look sometimes like evil wins? Doesn't it look like in our world right now, evil is winning? When we watch how quickly things are changing from generation to generation, I know this sounds so minor, but I went and bought my grandsons all, and I know they're going to roll their eyes, but I don't care. I bought them a wood-burning set because I want them off their screens for just a little while. I, I want, and in fact, in that wood-burning set, they've got six planks. And I said, and I'm going to tell them when they open it, I want you to make me something. I want to know that you that you traced it, that you burnt around it, that you took the time to make that. I know that sounds that sounds so little, but I think we've seen such vast changes in our generations. And not all for the good. And we kind of pass it off by saying, well, you know, that's just the way it is. And they're moving far and farther away. We've watched sports take over Sundays. We've watched so much things of this world take priority. And who gets the shaft? This is what he's talking about here. And unless we're careful, it's just all blending together. But there is going to be a day. And the harvesters are going to harvest. And I look at this and, you know, I think to myself, to me, that means hold on because justice will reign. He is going to right every wrong. Do you know that the end of the age or judgment day or the day of the Lord, that shouldn't be a day that you and I fear at all? Only those who aren't ready for it are scared to death. I always say that when we're about ready to study Revelation because some people, I'm not even, I don't even want to open my Bible to that chapter or to that book. I don't even, I don't want to, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't even want to study it. I'm scared to death of it. And I just want to grab them and say, then you're not ready. Because that should be a book that you are so excited about. 
So I think Jesus is trying to challenge us through these parables. Take a look. Are you, are you looking forward to the day? Are you like John when he said, oh, Lord, Jesus, come quickly. Are you just hanging on to this life so tight because you just can't let it go because maybe you're not singing blessed assurance because you're not sure. So Jesus says, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it into words that maybe will cause you to have the hair on your arms raise up. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out his, in his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do, do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But look at verse 43. This should, this should cause you and I to stand up and want to dance. Because then the righteous... See, it was going to be worth every Monday night Bible study. It was going to be worth keeping your appointment with him every day. It was worth making the choice to put him first. It was worth taking it under the chin or having people roll their eyes or maybe who knows what we're going to have to go through. It will be worth it because he says, look, then while they're all going and where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, what are you and I doing we're going to be celebrating because the righteous will shine like the sun in his kingdom. And look what he puts after that to make sure we see that. If you've got spiritual ears to hear this, you and I should be hearing this because this is our hope. This, this is what we should get up every morning knowing my ears are in tune with you, Lord. I don't know what this day is going to bring, but, you're, but you reign. Your timing is perfect. Your will is perfect. I might not like it. I might not understand it, but I trust you. And you tell me to hope in you, to hold on to you. Just think... We're going to, the righteous are going to shine like the sun in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, when sold all that he had so that he could buy that field. Why do you think we sang, Lord, you are? more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. You are, Lord, you are more beautiful than any material thing from this world. And nothing I desire should take that place of you. And why we went right into, he is all I need. But we have to, we've got to take a look at that. Is he? Or am I still holding on? Maybe the seed isn't getting into real good soil yet because I'm still wavering. But he said, your relationship with Jesus should be worth it all because you know that he promised you that if you make me first, seek first me, I'll see to it that everything you need is added to you. 
Do you trust his words when he says that or not? It's convicting. But I love the next parable. Look at now he reverses it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Now, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. So Jesus is the merchant. And who is Jesus looking for? Us. To me, this was another jump off the chair experience when I realized that now he's talking about the parable of the hidden treasure. He makes me see how valuable he is. It makes me to take a look and see where does he fit in in my walk with him. Is he top priority? Is he more valuable than anything? But the next one, he shows us how valuable we are to him. Because doesn't this sound like him? When he found one of great value, which is you and me, what is one of great value? The one that said yes. It's you and I when we say yes, when we humble ourselves and say, I need the cross. We become so valuable to him because we said yes. Look at He went away and sold everything he had and bought it. What does that sound like? Did Jesus give his all? He gave everything because we're his pearls. So the one shows us or asks us, okay, how valuable. Is he a treasure to you? And then the next one shows what a treasure we are to him. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. Now watch, he's going to go back to this message again. After he checked that we see about the value system here, he comes back and repeats almost, he almost uses the same words. He changes the story a little bit. Now he talks about fishermen. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it on the shore. Then he sat down, collected the good fish, threw away the bad. This is how it will be at the end of the age. Okay, here's where the repeat message. Just make sure you know. The angels will come separate the wicked from the righteous, throw them in the fire furnace, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then, look, did you notice what he says after that? Okay, I've told you. No nonsense black and white I speak with authority this is truth I don't have to scream at you if you got here stay here hear it I'm telling you the truth after all these parables to make it so clear and to see if we really want the heavenly meaning if we really want to know how it pertains to us spiritually if you really are seeing that he's opening the secrets of the kingdom to you. 
You put that all together, and he comes back and asks you and I what? Do you get this? Have you understood it? He just, because I think what he's saying, this is pertinent. I want to make sure you understand this because this is going to affect your forever. So in case you don't get it yet, do you understand this? I try to put it into the simplest kind of stories, but then it comes right back and I can almost, that's why I always say pretend when you come to Bible study that you're the only one sitting here. Because then you can picture Jesus saying, okay, now, I told you all this. Do you get it? Because now's the time. If you don't get it, get better ask, and I'll go through it again. Yes, they replied, and he said, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out his storeroom, new treasures as well as old. What do you think Jesus is saying to you and I? You're valuable. And you are valuable to me, and I hope I am valuable to you, that you will think of me as a treasure, that you will think of this word as a treasure. Then look what he says. That every time you open up the storeroom of this treasure, you'll bring out what? more so that you will always be building so I don't know if some of you if you committed to September to December and said well I did Matthew 1 to 13 that's good I learned a lot this Jesus is saying you better get back here January 7 because Matthew 14 is right around the corner and you learned a lot, but guess what? Here's a storeroom full of more new. And you will just keep building on what you've learned. And he closes this particular portion of scripture, one that we're all very much familiar about. People were amazed at his teachings and and so the big question saying, where in the world did he get all this? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? Isn't, he, isn't his mother Mary? Aren't his sisters and brothers so-and-so? He's just an ordinary Joe. And then... Because they chose it, they chose to decide, I'm not going to buy it. You know what? That's offensive to me. What right does he have to tell me this? What right does he have to try to make me feel guilty? Why he of all people? Jesus said only, in his hometown and in his own house as a prophet without honor. I often say this, you have no idea what a better speaker I am in California than I am in Holland. <laughs> if people think I've traveled a long way, I must be good. 
but so often I hear, well, I just saw her in Meyer yesterday. <laughs> but I think, I think that's a, something that our mind plays games with. We just assume that someone that we know so well or that maybe we grew up with or whatever. But I think what Jesus is taking it even more personal. Where do you think, where is it the hardest to live out Christ? Yes, right. I think what he's saying is that sometimes it is the hardest. It's easier. I know for me it was so much easier to talk to or, or sing to a room full of people than I didn't know. Oh, man. In fact, when I was at Fellowship Driving Church, I couldn't see anybody in those cars. Man, did I let it go. <laughs> Even though I was in my hometown, I couldn't see anybody. And so I felt like I was empowered. And I boldly said, I don't care how often you've been to church. I don't care what position you've held on your church board. If you never took that walk to Calvary, then maybe you're smart in the head, but you never knew him in your heart. We got home. I got a call a half hour I was after I was home. And an older woman was on the end of the line, and she said, I know we were at fellowship. We sat down to have our lunch after church like we always do, and my husband broke down. And I said, what's the matter? Aren't you feeling well? He said, no, I'm not feeling well because I've been one of those people. I've been an elder of the Christian Reformed Church more times than what I want to admit. But I never really knew him. And she says, I want you to know my husband bowed his head and accepted Jesus as his own personal Savior tonight. And he can't wait to be a whole new kind of elder in the Christian Reformed Church. It is so hard. I think Jesus knew what he was saying here. It's hard to live it out. It's hard to really express your faith. Because you know they might roll their eyes or if you're like me, you can't imagine the names I was called. In fact, what's in here stays in here, please. I beg you. I'm going to let you in on something. I mean, I love my mom a lot, but she introduced me a while back and said, this is my daughter, and she takes her religion very seriously. And that broke my heart. Sometimes it's people that are closest to you that don't get you. And that's hard sometimes. But I think what Jesus is saying, because I still go back, where did he bring his message first? When he said first Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then bring it to the world, where did he start first? Where does he tell us if you can't be real to the ones who know you best, then how can I expect to use you anywhere else?
good lesson, especially at 